Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 68. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with a background in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, today we've got a slightly different take on the topic of work-life balance. Um, we wanted to discuss dealing with situations where life has to take a little bit more of our attention <laughs> than uh, work or whatever the balance is no is normally, life just demands way more attention. And I think we've talked about work-life balance before, yeah? We did. We talked about it in episode three where it was more in the realm of you know, can you keep work-life balance as you advance in your career? Mm -hmm. And then we had episodes 46 and 47 with Kieran Sheldon, and he talked to us about how his health and family life really got out of balance because of a big project he was working on. I would recommend everyone go back and listen to those and see what you think. It, it's not a prerequisite for this conversation, but hopefully that gives you more context as to what we've already discussed. Yeah, by the way, shout out to Kieran. Like he uh, pinged me, I think, in the last uh, couple of weeks or so and said, uh, hey, I'm going to be in town for uh, for a conference. So we actually connected and I'll maybe post a picture to Twitter of us hanging out. <laughs> cool. Wish I'd been there. Yeah, we didn't make it all the way to Dallas. Sorry. It's too bad. Um, yeah, so if you're going to be in the Bay Area and you're a listener to this podcast, I mean, ping me there's a chance that we might just meet up and uh, at least have a cup of coffee. But back to the episode, um, I wanted to break this down. I hope this makes sense to you, Nick, and to the listeners. Kind of a couple different categories of you know where this happens, right? Like personal crisis, where something is going on in our lives away from work that enters into a real crisis phase. And that just demands a ton of attention and can have you know, effects afterwards. And then more of the kind of wear and tear category where there's something going on in our work life or in our personal life where it's, it's just demanded, like maybe it hasn't been a crisis, but it's just demanded something over time and it's just taken its toll. And, uh, and, you know, it's just throwing our entire, uh, life out of whack. So, um, those are kind of the different categories of, um, that we've kind of identified that that would demand like this uh, this attention, and then we also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, care that we can take for ourselves, both proactive and reactive, I guess. So um, I'll just call that different kinds of care. Um, so with that in mind, let's let's talk about crisis. Crisis, uh, like life, will find a way. We can't hold it at bay. Um, it will come and visit us at you know, times that we just don't expect it. Um, and I think the first kind of crisis that maybe is a little bit easier to talk about is when you're providing emotional support 
for someone that you have a personal relationship with. And I'm, I'm sure Nick, that, that you've had this as well as I, where someone in our family, one of our friends or one of our partners is, is going through something and we're actually providing emotional support for them. You know, so the crisis is not necessarily in our, in our life, but we're providing support for somebody who's going through a crisis and providing emotional support takes energy, right? Indeed it does, John. It's something you have to think about. You have to be careful about how you approach and treat that person who's going through something because we, we don't know what everyone we come in contact with is going through. But once you do know it, it kind of makes you think differently about how you approach conversations with them and you might take it a little bit easier on them because of what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I would say, you know, there's the things that we go through to help them, right? And as you pointed out, sometimes that means your relationship changes and you have to be a little bit more careful. So there's the consideration there. But then there's the consideration of what is this taking out of me, right? If I'm providing emotional support for somebody who's going through a crisis and maybe I'm the sole source of support, you know, that that can start to, um, you know, suck up, if nothing else, time, right? Just time that you're spending on the phone or in person, you know, chatting with that person and, and giving them advice and, and sometimes just listening to them and making sure that they feel heard about the stress or the crisis that they're going through. And, and, and that, that can be draining. Um, and not to say that you shouldn't do that. I think it, we're just saying that this is something that we should acknowledge. And, and something that we should be careful about, right? Um, so emotional support for other people that, you know, we have uh, personal relationships with, you know, can be a source um, of, of, of burden and stress in our lives because of a crisis they're going through. Um, so let's just kind of chalk that up as, as one kind of, uh, uh, one category of crisis. Um, another one is, I'm just going to say, you know, loss. Um, one kind of loss I think that both you and I have had to deal with is, is loss of a parent. Um, both of us lost fathers in the last year. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, I definitely found that to be, you know, much more of a surprise. Like, you know, for me, it was a surprising emotional reaction. Uh, I don't know what your journey was there. So a little background, you know, my stepdad lived in a different state and uh, he and my mom divorced and. We hadn't had a lot of interactions over probably 10, 15 year period and reconnected shortly before he passed. He was very sick with MS. And, you know, when I got the call, it was like the world stopped and I knew all the things I hadn't done well enough at that time, all the things I wished I would have done to reach out more, you know, having to explain to a little girl why she never met this person. That was a huge part of my life a lot of regret, a lot of guilt that that was built up, a lot of fear and anxiety about going to the funeral and being around other family members who hadn't seen me in many years and knew that my father and I hadn't talked to each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a lot. Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine. And my story is a little bit different. I think my dad and I had had a pretty like antagonistic and sour relationship um, from the time I was probably in high school on. And then recently, I would say in the past, like five to 10 years, you know, that, 
that had kind of been fairly cordial and we had, you know, re-engaged and he had, you know, like your father, you know, my father had been fairly ill. So I think that the surprise that he passed away was in the timing, not that, that it was going to happen, but, you know, despite the fact that we had like a fairly cool, though cordial, you know, relationship, I found myself in a process of mourning, um, that was, uh, you know, shocking and surprising to me. Like I, I realized I was mourning like the good times that we had had, you know, even though those times had, you know, passed, you know, had long since been in the past. And I, maybe I'd just never gone through that process before. And of course there's, you know, the emotional support that I was trying to give to my, to my family and, you know, to his friends that I had to, you know, call up and, and, and let know that, that he had passed away. So, um, you know, that I don't know about for you, but that just echoed for me for months. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, hard to focus on things, you know, before the funeral, there was a lot of anxiety to the point where I had trouble sleeping and working and doing all the other things I needed to do. You and I talked about it a couple of times. Yeah, absolutely. And not on mic, but we definitely yeah, talked yeah. about it a lot. <laughs> we did. And yeah. Thank you for that. But it was, it was tough, man. And, and I still have days where I just shake my head and go, man, I wish I would have done it differently. Yeah. That I, I don't know that that goes away. Right. And, and that loss and regret and mourning of, again, you know, sometimes it's mourning the good times, even though those times had passed, um, that can, you know, I, I just assume that that's analogous for other kinds of loss. Like, you know, there's romantic loss, right? You can have a relationship, a romantic relationship that's ending or has ended, or you have to end. And, you know, maybe it's not a happy time, you know, during the ending and maybe ending it was even the best thing, but you still go through, you know, I imagine like a, a period of mourning for, for all the good times as well. And, and I'm sure that that's the case for personal relationships that, that aren't romantic, right? If you just, uh, end a friendship, you know, maybe you have to end it. Maybe the other person, you know, ends it and, you know, maybe it's just, I'm moving away and, and you're really used to having them very close and interacting with them daily or weekly. And then suddenly that just, you know, goes away. You're, you're going to remain friends, but it's just, you know, that relationship is changing and becoming more distant. I mean, that, that loss, that mourning, that, that emotional burden, it can be there for many, many different kinds of loss. So again, we just kind of want to acknowledge and make sure that other people are thinking about these kinds of things, right? These are the kinds of uh, things that can happen uh, in, in a crisis. I also wanted to call out, you know, something that we've discussed before, um, and that's finance, right? So um, our friends and our family, or we ourselves can be going through a financial crisis for whatever reason. And this isn't really a judgment, right? I think that any of us can find ourselves in a personal financial crisis for reasons that have nothing to do with being financially unwise. You know, it can be caused by a healthcare crisis. You know, suddenly you need really expensive uh, medical care. Um, any number of reasons. I don't want to try to tease those all out, but you know, that can be an especially insidious type of stress, financial stress, because it's very, very difficult not to think about it. I mean, maybe it's just not fair to, to say, you know, this kind of stress is more or less uh, 
insidious than, than any of these other types of crises. Um, all of them, you know, depending on their situation, can really, you know, play havoc with our lives. Really horrible to kind of go through a crisis. Yeah, and we just need to acknowledge that each of these have an impact and we have to deal with that in some way or another. We can't just ignore it. Absolutely. So whatever your work-life balance was before this crisis, you have to, you know, re-examine and maybe realign as a result of the crisis. Now, I wanted to move along to this second type of, uh, of um, you know, cause that we would need to realign, and that's um, wear and tear. Now, you know, the first thing I want to talk about here is kind of stress, you know, constant low-level stress is is probably overlooked by people as a source as a really destructive you know force in their lives um we all deal with stress in any you know in different ways and in at different times and very few of us actually have a, a career that won't occasionally spike our stress levels and demand tons of time and you know maybe involve you know risky decisions important you know, high impact decisions, you know, that can cause stress. Um, but, you know, that being said, you know, oftentimes, again, sometimes we overlook this, there can be low level stress that, you know, kind of creeps up It never hits that crisis level. And it's still there. It's still present. You know, we have a looming deadline that's coming a year away or a year and a half away for a long term project. And it's, it's just always kind of there and and maybe you know you're not making as much progress or or contributing as much to the project as you think you should and you know it just kind of adds up over time um it doesn't have to be professional right like that kind of thing can happen in our personal lives too um in any of the categories that we talked about before providing emotional support having you know loss or, or even financial stuff you know it's maybe not a crisis but it's a low level concern for either in our lives or in somebody else's life that, you know, you have to, you know, take into account. So, you know, this is, this is something that, <laughs> you know, it, again, it's energy sapping. And as a result, you know, oftentimes we have to reevaluate how much time we can actually spend on, you know, paying strong attention and, and doing our best, you know, in our careers and at work, you know, sometimes something's just got to give. And the amount of time that you were spending and what you thought you were doing and being in balance is no longer good enough. We have to we have to back off that. I, I don't know. Does that resonate with you, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. All the low level stressors can build up to the point where it's affecting your mental health. You know, you're thinking about this deadline or this pressure or this problem at home fa with family with friends to the point where it's it's affecting your ability to think and make good decisions. You know, your obviously your emotional health and it can even affect your physical health over time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Stress is one of those, um, insidious, insidious things. Um, and then imagine like if you're dealing with that kind of thing and then you actually do have a spike, you know, that normally wouldn't be a crisis type spike, you know, that can often tip you into like a crisis reaction, you know, just, you know, because it's added on top of, of everything else that you're already dealing with. 
I I think I want to kind of also call out the danger of, of hyper focus in this type of situation. Sometimes a lot of the stress and and whatever can be caused just by things that we don't have um, in our control, right? If you're on a project and you're doing your work, but you're starting to kind of wonder if you know everybody is contributing and if you're going to hit that deadline and it's nine months away, but you know we still need, whatever it happens to be. Um, again, it could be in your personal life as well. You know, sometimes people react by hyper focusing on the things that they can control in their lives and starting to ignore, you know, healthy personal interactions, you know, you know, cut the things out of their lives that that actually will help. Like, oh, hey, I, I don't have enough time to to sleep as much as I need to. I don't have the time to to eat healthily. And, you know, the the time to talk to my friends the way that, you know, would actually maybe help. So, you know, that that's an especially you know, insidious reaction that can often you know, lead to these kinds of things spiraling out of control. So I wanted to call that out. And of course, you know, we didn't want to just talk about all the causes and, and say, okay, be careful about that, and then just walk away. You know, there's definitely things that you can do to help yourself, right? Proactive care and reactive care as well. So um, the first thing that we wanted to call out here is, well, I'll say the general category is mindfulness. Um, I think something that we hear every time we get on a plane is the flight attendant saying, put your mask on first, right? If you're traveling with somebody who needs help. So if you are providing help to somebody and 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 you you just need to make sure that you're checking in with yourself to see how your life and your emotional well-being and in your stress level is. Like you need to take care of yourself and make sure that you're healthy and you're handling, you know your ability to provide support for that person because if you can't handle it um and you become ill you know and your life kind of like spirals into crisis then you're not helping anybody you know your ability to help them has been you know severely compromised because you need help so um make sure that i don't know put your mask on first i think really summarizes that really really well nick uh do you check in when you're uh, providing support to other people yeah, I. if you had asked my wife, I think she'd probably say I'm really bad at putting my mask on first and taking care of myself. That seems to be an afterthought a lot <laughs> of the time. So that's a area, improve, area of improvement for me, for sure. Yeah. There's a, there's a threshold there that I think each of us knows deep down we shouldn't cross, but we end up doing it anyway. Yeah, especially if you know you're dealing with people who are very important to you, right? With the the people that are you know important to me in my life, I feel like you know, hey, I'll run through a wall for you, you know, and um, the emotional equivalent of that. And you know, in that like physical example, you're going to do some damage to your body, right? And in the emotional equivalent, you're going to do some emotional damage to yourself or or take on more than maybe you can bear, um, and you know, if it's very, very short term and you have, you know, a plan for it on the back end to, to help yourself out, um, you know, that, you know, listen, I, I know I'm going to do this and then I'm going to need like some serious vacation time to just get away from everything. Um, then maybe it's okay, but you know, you have to have that plan, you know, and, and be mindful ahead of time. 
in order for that to really make sense. And uh, so I was going to say you can only sprint for a little while before you have to stop. Right. right. Absolutely. That's another great analogy. Um, I think the other thing that we wanted to call out was the idea of a crisis playbook. Now, you know, companies tend to have this, you know, if they're involved in, you know, company crises and, you know, here's the people that we call to help us out in the press and here's the people that we call to, you know, project manage and et cetera, et cetera. I think that it makes sense for us to kind of do this for ourselves for personal crises, right? So having a playbook that you put together and say, listen, I, you know, I'm just going to generalize this because I don't know what kind of crisis that I will be facing, but here's some general principles of things that I'm going to do. Here's the people that I call for support. Here's, you know, what I do. Um, if it's financial, you know, here's what I'm going to do. If it's, you know, more of a work crisis and, and I need to, you know, find a new job, you know, just have, have a general list of things that you think that you would do. Um, you know, in a playbook and make sure that that playbook is a live document that you revisit it, you know, as your life changes, as the people in your life change. So, you know, the people that you need to call for different things, you know, maybe those change over time. So um, you just want to make sure that it's there, that you know where it is, and that when you actually are in crisis, that you actually use it. I think uh, we have actually a source here that I, I found. It was a pretty interesting article. It's called Five Tips for Dealing with a Personal Crisis or Health Issue While Running a Business. Um, so I think it was aimed a little bit more at like startup founders and, and things like that or, or small, small business owners. But there's two things that, you know, we had kind of put some of the content to, for this together before we tripped across this article. And, you know, two points that I thought were very interesting that I hadn't thought of. And uh, they were... Um, avoid time wasters and consider postponing. Avoid time wasters is kind of, I think, in the the construct of the article. Um, if you're dealing with investors who are maybe lukewarm and you know maybe don't want to invest with you, then if you're having a personal crisis, then maybe you know these it's just not worth the effort to you know talk to these people and and you just need to cut them out. I think um, in our kind of non-startup world. Um, I think what that is is that you go through the things in your life that that you're you're responsible for and you and you do a priority checklist and you say hey these are the things that like are maybe the least important things that are kind of coming up regularly and it doesn't matter if I don't do them or the impact is minimal or I can call somebody else to do it right maybe that's you know cleaning the house right and you're like listen I just need to I need to have a house cleaner in for the next six months because, you know, I don't have the ability and my family doesn't have the ability to do that. And normally that's something we wouldn't spend money on, but during this crisis, we just need to do it. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so anything that you can just not do and, you know, just cut out of your life, maybe it's worth, you know, examining to see if you can find that in a crisis and add that to your playbook. Right. Um, the other was consider postponing. And uh, this is, you know, goes along in that same thing. Like, you know, when you're going down your list of things that you need to do, what are the things that can be just pushed off? You know, does it matter if I don't do this for the next 90 days? You know, um, cleaning the house probably does matter, you know. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Doing the laundry, those kinds of things. But, um, you know, the things that you can delay um, without it impacting, you know, 
does it matter if you get your car washed? Maybe that doesn't matter as much. Um, you know, what are the what are the other types of things that you can postpone um, that are going to have minimal impact while you deal with crisis or low level? You know, the the results of low level long term stress. So I think those were great points from that article, and we'll try to include a link. We won't try; we definitely will do it. The last point under this mindfulness idea is checking in on wear and tear. And when I say that, I think I kind of mean check in to see if you're in that situation, right? And that's the insidious part of low-level long-term stress is that we just might not be paying attention enough to realize that this is happening and that it's catching up with us. Uh, again, does that is that something that resonates with you, Nick? Because I, I've oh, definitely yeah. that situation. Absolutely. And just like you said, I think you need someone you know, someone who knows you pretty well, that you check in with regularly, talk to. They're going to be able to tell that something's off. And they should, they're probably going to let you know that, that something's going on. Like my wife is good about that. Like you are pretty wound up. You know, you need to, you need to chill a little bit and, and not, work so much or not get so wrapped around the axle about this one thing. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think the thing that I, I always like consider is like, you know, am I getting into imaginary arguments with people? You know, it's like, Oh, like if they, if they say this, then I'll say this and that'll really show them, you know, like, <laughs> and, and like you, if I'm having that discussion with my wife, she usually goes, so you're arguing with somebody who's not here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's our next topic, Imaginary Arguments by John White. <laughs> An episode of self-therapy. <laughs> I think I think a better category for that conversation would be the art of overanalysis. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm guilty probably, of that one. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, again, just having you know some mindfulness practice where you check in with yourself and say, you know, go down the list is, you know, how is this affecting me? Like, am I being affected by this? Do I have a physical reaction? Am I, you know, handling emotional burden in a, in a healthy or unhealthy way? Yeah. And I, I think for those who have a very busy day to day, you're in and out of meetings, you know, it's work to pick up kids to family time to, you have to find a few minutes for just you where you can be quiet and maybe just not do anything, but think decompress from the day. As you said, check in with yourself, reflect a little bit, go through it. How am I doing? Is this, is what's going on affecting me in a really negative way? Are things spiraling out of control? Yeah. Because if you don't ever take time to do that, you're relying on someone else to do it for you and hopefully they will, but you need to try and do it for yourself too. Yeah. That's not always necessarily fair on the people in your life to have to spot that. It's like, Hey, you're really angry in an unreasonable way. What's going on? You know, like now that they, you know, in that situation, you know, maybe they've been around you really grumpy for an unreasonable amount of time, you know, and, and it's maybe it's because you're not paying attention to yourself. And, and that I, I really like that idea of, you know, taking the time and making sure you're blocking it off. I, th I think maybe calendaring that time in your work calendar or your personal calendar, just so you 
actually, you know, nobody schedules you, you know, for other things uh, during that time can be pretty important in an active, active way. And, and I think during that time, you know, it's not just like sitting quietly, it's really checking in. It's not checking out. It's not being distracted or watching television or, or listening to a podcast or an audiobook, you know, to kind of mindlessly, you know, just be passive. Like it's an active situation where you you're running down, you know, the things in your life and, and checking in with yourself to see how you feel about them. So I think we did talk about, you know, other people. So um, support from our extended personal network, be our, be, you know, be it our friends or our family. Um, is also, you know, a really good way to, uh, to, to, to get some care, right. To say, Hey, you know, I'm going through this thing. Can you listen to me? Here's what I need from you. I, maybe sometimes you just need them to listen. And I think it's important. I've been told it's important to let them know ahead of time what it is that you need from that conversation. So they're not trying to come up with solutions if what you need is somebody to just listen and be sympathetic. You know, so then you can start that conversation by saying, I need some sympathy. I need somebody to listen to me. What I don't need is for somebody to tell me what it is that I should be doing. Um, and that way, the person's alerted, you know, and, and they're not going to, you know, give you stuff that you don't need. Sure. Sometimes you just need someone to play that back to you. Well, here's what I just heard you say. Yes, absolutely. And then you feel heard, right? You feel like you're not alone in this. And that's yeah. an important thing. I just heard you say, John, that you're angry and jaded. Why is that? No, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I think something that, you know, corollary that goes along with that is checking to see if you're avoiding those kinds of um, personal relationships in, in dealing with your, you know, personal network. Um, you know, are you normally, are you normally engaged with a group of people? And as a result of the stress, you're starting to disengage with them. Are you isolating yourself in an unhealthy way? Is that even trending in that direction? You know, cause that can be maybe just an early warning sign that, that you are in one of those situations, either crisis or low level stress that's crept up on you. Yeah, I'll go ahead and admit, like when I get into times of high stress, I will cut out like social things first. Like, mm -hmm. nope, I don't need to go and do this. I need to take care of it. My wife's like, I'm not letting you cut this. You need to you need to go and, and be with other people and talk to them. Yeah, okay. that goes back to the, you know, that crisis playbook, you know, avoiding time wasters. Like an important part of that is to realize, you know, what is wasting time and what is an important part of self-care or, you know, support that you would be getting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, third-party support, you know, the outside of just a, a personal network, um, I want to talk about this because, you know, it's an important thing that, that sometimes people ignore, um, pastoral care and then professional care, emotional care, either from you know, medical establishment, you know, um, professional therapist, psychologist. Um, I think those are both things that, that get overlooked, you know, unless, you know, it, you it are in crisis, then, then maybe, um, people start to think about it. But I think that maybe we should check in with those sources of support a little bit earlier 
so we don't get into crisis. Maybe when we're evaluating whether you know long-term low-level stress has kind of crept up on us, engaging sure. with, with those sources of, of support can be very, very helpful. And it, you know, if you're a member of a church, then you may have some folks there who have degrees in counseling who could who would be willing to talk to you as well. You yeah. know, most most folks who are in ministry are going to have some a lot of experience in that and holding it in confidence, of course. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that one of the things that's very helpful about this is finding like a neutral third party, right? Somebody who isn't necessarily emotionally uh, dependent or engaged with you or doesn't need for you to, um, you're, you're not providing them with something, right? So in a friendship or in a relationship, you know, oftentimes you're, uh, you're emotionally engaged with a person, you know, that is either, you know, mutually beneficial or dependent or, or any of those things. And, and it's not necessarily fair to dump all of your stress or, um, you know, talk about every single, you know, stressor in your life with that person and, and expect them to, to carry the burden, right? You can, you can tell them, Hey, I'm having a hard time at work. You know, this is happening. This is happening. Um, but for them, to expect them to to carry the entire thing and provide all that support for you is is not necessarily healthy for that person, right? The, then you're putting them on the other side of um, <laughs> providing emotional emotional support for you, um, and and maybe in an unhealthy way. So I think it's important to you know find that that third party that isn't in maybe your family or in a really really close you know personal friendship, um, so that you know, that person can just sit outside the entire situation and say, well, I mean, I don't really know you, um, but it sounds like you're being unreasonable and maybe you should evaluate this or, you know, why is it that you feel this way? You know, to give you kind of that, that neutral feedback from somebody who you're not saying, you know, you, if it's a friend, you say, oh, well, you're just angry about that time that we fought about this or, you know, whatever, your husband or your wife, um, you know, your partner, like you just have all this history and relationship with, and with maybe a third party, it's it's none of that overhead. It's just listening and focusing in on this thing. And it's 2020. Like I think that you know we should get over um, any stigma that's involved in, in going to somebody and saying, "Hey, I, I need some help." Right. Right. Get past the ego. Everybody needs help at some yeah. point. Absolutely. Um, I think that we shouldn't overlook support that we can get from work. I mean, part of that is you're saying in this situation, listen, I need to prioritize my personal life and what's going on here over my work life a little bit. And as a result, I'm going to need help from these people that I work with. So sometimes that's asking your management for help. Hey, you know, I'm going through a little bit of a, a thing at home and I need some extra time to do that. Um, I need a little bit of extra support. Um, obviously, that's totally dependent on, on you having a good relationship with your management. Um, so, you know, take that and, and use your best judgment there. I'm asking your coworkers for support. Hey, just, you know, I'm just not going to be as responsive as I thought that I would be on this project, you know, and that's going to affect, you know, all of us. I just need to let you know ahead of time that this is going on again, you know, use your best judgment on that depending on your work situation, but don't overlook that as a way of relieving some of that stress over rebalancing your work and your life. I've, I've definitely had to do that. Nick, you? 
Absolutely. I mean, when I told my boss at the time that my father had passed away, he was like, man, that is super hard. You take the time you need and we'll be fine. Yeah. My, my manager said the exact same thing. Um, and she said, you know, take the time you need, you know, I think I, at the time I was working at VMware and I had VMworld coming up and she said, if you need to not do your presentation there, like that's totally fine. You know, just nobody's going <laughs> to worry about that. If you need to not go to the conference, that's absolutely fine as well. You know, so, um, you know, having really good support from your work, you know, can maybe that's, you know, something that you need to, you know, put as a tick in the favor <laughs> of a company, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, when you're evaluating a place to work. Um, I think we mentioned that before. And then lastly, let's, let's talk about, you know, physical health, because that's something that can deteriorate. It can be both like, um, an early indicator that something's going on, but it's also something that can be a solution. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like when people are under a lot of stress, they may not get as much activity as normal, even just taking a walk, you know, they may feel, they may feel like they have less energy and want to hang out on the couch and be sluggish and not want to do anything. But in fact, those are the times that you need to get some activity and it can actually release some stress and give you more energy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a natural reaction is like, you know, I'm going to cut, you know, the, one of the, t my time wasters is exercise. <laughs> like, yeah, don't cut that one. <laughs> right, right. You think like as if, you know, oh, if I just like stare at the screen harder or, you know, just think about this longer and harder, you know, that's actually going to solve things. But, you know, honestly, for, for knowledge work especially, sometimes what you need is a break from the thinking and the, you know, the emotional stuff, right? And um, a lot of times when you, you know, are working out or, doing whatever physical activity you can get in, you know, that'll actually, you know, kind of recenter you, get you better in touch with what's going on with your body and, and, and help you out in the medium to long term with that stress relief as well. You know, just the physical reaction of movement can definitely really relieve stress, right? You get some of those, um, uh, you know, feel good hormones going on and, uh, just, you know, really, uh, I, I don't know. It's every time in my life that I've had to, you know, that I've had stress and, and had some kind of physical activity, you know, it's always been really, really good for me. Yep. And let's not forget diet. I mean, what are we putting in our mouths? Are we eating horribly because we feel like we don't have very much time? You know, the, when you're under a lot of stress and you eat poorly, that can lead to things like heart attack and stroke, you know? Yeah which um, is its own type of crisis, right? So you're spiraling out. I mean, the amount of like fried potato products that I eat, you know, when I feel like I'm under stress and I'm not paying attention, you know, goes up remarkably. <laughs> now we're not, we're not counting hash browns from IHOP, are we? Because I love those. Uh, Even in times of non-stress. Yeah. You know, you know, you have to be in touch with, with your body and, and be mindful about eating those hash browns. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and then there's sleep. You know, that's one that I don't defend enough. A lot of times it's, oh, I'll just push through and take care of this because I need to. And you don't get enough sleep and you're just not at your best mentally the next day. Yeah. 
and then and then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball right so now now you don't have as much energy as you need and you're you know not at your peak mental sharpness and you have to deal with all this other stuff um my you know the way that i i do that is that you know i'll watch television or youtube or something and say oh i just need to disengage and like do nothing and then all of a sudden it's you know 12 30 in the morning 1 a.m and you know the maximum amount of sleep i'm going to be able to get is five and a half or six hours you know which is not ideal right so um whatever it is that you think that you need to do for self-care i think you know protect you know protecting your exercise time protecting your diet and protecting your sleep you know should be top and then you know start looking you know if mental disengagement is something that you think that you need you know just make sure that you're not doing it at the expense of all this other stuff sure yeah go out there and follow michael bruce b-r-e-u-s on linkedin twitter sleep psychologist who wrote the power of wind which we recommended in a previous podcast when we did our book reviews and uh, he's written a lot of cool articles on what sleep can do for you and what lack of sleep can do for you as well (laughs) and one thing i'll mention is in this physical health realm stay hydrated amigos make sure that you're getting enough water to drink yeah absolutely um that (laughs) is easily overlooked easily easily overlooked like you know water in like uh i don't know whatever you know guidance we hear about it's probably not actually enough um water's water's critically important well uh nick our time is starting to get short anything that we overlooked before we get out of here No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at B Journeyman, for Nick Cordy, at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Stay out of crisis mode, friends. (laughs) 